0: I'm Jeff Gehrman, an investigative reporter with the Las Vegas Review-Journal. I'm your guide for season two of Mobbed Up, the Fight for Las Vegas. You're in with every gangster and hoodlum in the United States. I don't go for that, Mr. Kennedy. I don't go for that kind of action. I was on television accused of fronting for the mob. Subscribe to Mobbed Up, the Fight for Las Vegas, season two, today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: You're listening to Vegas Nation. It's time for First and 10 with your hosts, Vinny Bonsignor and Sam Gordon. Carl Nassib made a really courageous statement yesterday. Have you talked to him? Have you given him any words of encouragement?
2: Uh, well, look, as an organization, we're obviously very proud of him. Um, the organization has always sort of been built on, on a progressive mentality. Uh, Mr. Davis started that when he was with the team and, and some of the things he did throughout the years in the 60s and 70s. And Mark has really continued that. And I think you can look to Mark's words for how the organization feels. Uh, his first reaction was a genuine one. It's 2021 and we're still... Making a big deal out of this, but uh, we really shouldn't. I know. I know it is. I know it probably will remain, and, and we'll look forward to the day when it's not. Uh, But the organization is fully behind him um, and very supportive and and proud of of what he did yesterday. Mark's father used to say, what makes a a man difference is what makes him great. And you heard John echo those, Coach Gruden echo those comments yesterday. And that's just what our organization was built on and uh, will continue to be. That was the voice of Raiders president and CEO, Mark Bedane, earlier on uh, Tuesday out at an event over at Allegiant Stadium. And he was, of course, talking about The groundbreaking announcement that uh, Raiders defensive end Carl Nassib made uh, on Monday, kind of a lightning bolt out of the blue, um, but very matter of factly, um, just came out uh, to the world as gay and in doing so uh, became the first active NFL player. Uh, to make that announcement uh, and by the way you're you're listening to vegas nation first and 10 your weekly go-to uh for raider news and analysis uh, before we get to our great uh co-host who asked that question to mark bedain by the way uh to let you know that uh first and 10 is brought to you by the las vegas review journal and presented by bluewire.com uh without further ado let's go to the person that asked mark bedain uh, that question earlier uh over at Allegiant stadium uh our great friend colleague Uh, the very talented um, uh, teammate of ours here at Vegas Nation, Cassie Soto. How are you doing, Cassie?
1: Hey, Vinny. Thank you for having me. I'm doing great.
2: Well, um, so it's so interesting, Cassie, uh, you know, essentially 24 hours ago, uh, this all kind of unfolded and, you know, Carl Nassib making the announcement that he did. um, And I think the support that immediately came Uh, For Carl was very encouraging um, and just really nice to see Uh, wonderful uh, for for that matter. And uh, my first impression, and I want to get this from you as well, uh, your thoughts on this, Um, you know, in a subsequent note, Carl Nassib, uh, in addition to the video that he put on uh, Instagram in a subsequent note, He also indicated, you know, this was something that he had been struggling with uh, for 15 years, you know, whether to come out, how to come out, you know, all the things that um, people sometimes struggle with in that situation. And what I think is really inspiring, Cassie, is the fact that What he probably thought was going to be this, you know, kind of explosion almost came back as a whisper in terms of the support. There wasn't any of, you know, uh, the negativity that uh, although you see some of that on social media, but at least when the people that he cares about, his family members, his teammates, his team peers across the uh, NFL and and in the sports world, there was support and that's got to be a great feeling for somebody like Carl Nassib. Um, but also maybe some people that are in this a similar situation that are struggling uh, on on what to do and whether or not to come out um, fearful of, of what the reaction might be I would I would hope that the positive uh, reaction uh, that's come of this um, not only you know helps Carl as he moves on from this point uh, but but people that are might be in a similar situation as he is.
0: Yeah,
1: absolutely, Vinny. I think you nailed it there. Um, I don't think that when Carl was shooting that video in his backyard or or wherever he was at his house, that he thought it would have the reaction. And like you said, the explosion it did, maybe, maybe he thought, you know, it it might get picked up here or there, but the amount of support that we've seen on Twitter and on Instagram is, is incredible. And I think he said it in his video that, um, that, Um, showing your support, right. And seeing people like you and, um, equality for, for everybody is important. And it's important to see people in the media, in the limelight that look like you, that act like you, that think like you, because you, if if there's something that you're struggling with, right. In this instance of coming out with your sexual orientation, which, we shouldn't care at this point, right? We should accept right. everybody um, for who they are. But as Mark Davis said, it's 2021. We're still sort of dealing with this. It's still sort of a sensitive topic. But for Carl Nassib, an NFL player, to come out and come to terms, you know, and accept himself, more importantly, it doesn't matter what we think. None of this matters. What matters is that he's happy and he's accepting himself and he can live his true self now. And that has to be just such a weight lifted off of his shoulder. Um, obviously, you know, Carl Nassib isn't somebody we talk about every Sunday. But now going into it, he, he just he brought a spotlight to the professional football league that we haven't seen um, before we have obviously with Michael Sam, um, but in this case, an active player who is in locker rooms. And, and when you think of NFL, you think of hard guys who aren't allowed to show emotion, who, who can't, you know, they have to be the superhero, but Carl Nassib made himself and the rest of the NFL human. And I think that's what people want to see.
2: Yeah. And, and you know, I've gotten a few emails and, and some people that, you know, have hit me up on on social media, you know, um, uh, taking a different perspective of, well, why is this a big deal? Why, why do we have to know? Why, sure. you know, kind of, kind of that. And, and, you know, um, the response that I would have to them is, you know, everyone has a right to live their life um, free. You know, not having to suppress something, not having to hide something. Imagine the pain that, that that causes and the stress that that causes when a big part of you has to be hidden, uh, fearful of what the reaction might be. So it's not so much that he's—it's what he's declaring. It's just that he's now being able to, by in, in doing so, can now live his life free of that. You know, free of that pressure, and that's really what this is all about. It's not what he's announcing. Um, it's, it's him being able to now be himself just like anybody else has a right, uh, to do that. And, and I, and that's gotta be a liberating feeling uh, for Carl Nassib and, and really anyone, uh, who's in that situation. And, and here's the other part of it, Cassie. I think we we're all at a point now where, and this is a good thing and this is, you know, shows progress. Uh, you know, I have family members, I have friends, colleagues, um, you know, associates, it's, it's, it's something that we deal with on a daily basis, you know, um, a very, very close, uh, family uh, member of, of mine just within the last two years. And, you know, it was one of those things, uh, he put it out on Facebook. I saw a picture, uh, you know, and, and I was like, Whoa, I texted him. I go, did you have something to tell me? Ha ha ha. You know? And, and it was like, Hey man, you know, and it was like, all right, all good. Let's all move on uh, with our lives. So, um, in, in, in that respect, that's, you know, it's not the news of, of who he is, what he is and, and, you know, what his, uh, you know, uh, sexual orientation is. That's not the news. It's the fact that he can now move, move on and and live his life freely and hopefully maybe inspire, uh, some others to do the same thing and not worry necessarily about what the outside world might think, because as the outside world has shown so far, overwhelmingly, there's support out there.
1: Yeah. And I think he, he mentioned in his video, right? Representation matters. Like little kids who are dealing or are hiding, you know, this big part of them who maybe want to be a football player, aren't sure if they can do that or not. Now they see Carl Nassib and say, Hey, I can be just like this guy. And, and I think more importantly, Vinny, we mentioned, you know, the headlines that it shouldn't be that he's coming out as gay. It should be that he's living his true self. And the other headline should be that he's donating $100,000 to the Trevor project. And that is huge. And I believe he he put it out on Instagram. LGBTQ kids are five times more likely to commit suicide than other kids. And that is just an astonishing number. And, and it's how many of those kids had the opportunity to, to text their cousin, right. And be open and put it on Facebook maybe not a lot of them and to see somebody just so openly and say, you know, he, you know what I love about the video of any is just how matter of fact it was. He was just like so cool. And he goes, Hey, I'm Carl. This is me. This is who I am. Take it or leave it. Love you guys. Like that's, I just got like the coolest vibe from him in his video that he, he posted it and that was it. He wiped his hands of it and he said, all right, if people want to message me, awesome. But I'm going to continue to see what the future has ahead of me. And to help kids like him who are struggling, you said 15 years, he wasn't able to to hide a secret to urge, he had to hide that secret for 15 years. And to to come away with that now and to see the positive reaction has to be huge. And I'm sure there are people messaging him saying, Hey, Carl, I'm like you, I don't know how to tell my family, where can I go? Who can help me? And now he can direct them to this program that he is now um, a big part of, and they can all get help and work together to, to live their true self.
2: And I, I, Cassie, I was, I was uh, struck by the matter of factness of it as well. And, and that's, that's why, you know uh, him saying that this is something that he's been struggling with for 15 years. I got to imagine that it was 15 years, and right up until the point where he hit record, um, you know, to record the message, like like that was the pressure he was feeling right up until that point. And then it just came out so easily uh, for him, and within 60 seconds, he had his whole life. I'm sure uh, had changed, and and like you, just that matter of factness, the casualness of it, and the naturalness of it. Um, and, and, and that's what it should be. And, uh, I echo, you know, what Mark Davis and what Mark Bidane, uh, the Raiders president said today, it's 2021. We did this, this should not be a big deal for obvious reasons. It still is. Uh, but, but here's hoping, um, that, you know, uh, that it's, it's, it's not going to be, uh, moving forward. It might take a little while still to get to that point. Uh, but, um, but I, but I think that, we're, we're headed in that direction. And I think uh, the last 24 hours, uh, certainly showed that. Um, okay. So from a, uh, organizational standpoint, um, does this, I mean, do you think that obviously this is going to be a, a, a news, uh, uh item and mm-hmm. we'd be, we'd be naive, um, um, you know, uh, to, to, to think that this isn't going to be something of a curiosity piece of a story wherever, you know, um, whenever the writers play somebody for a little while, this is what a story is going to be. And um, I'm sure he's, you know, Carl Nassib is going to be pulled in a lot of different directions, trying to, you know, manage that part of it, because I'm sure a lot of people want to want to talk to him now. Um but I don't think – I just have this feeling. Um, I don't think it's going to be that big of a distraction. I think with what the both Marks said, Mark Davis and Mark Bedane said, and some of his teammates have said, uh, I think the distraction part of it gets squashed. They'll manage the media uh, end of it. Um, but w- your thoughts on that. Do you think that this could be something that's a distraction? Not, you know, blaming Carl uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but just the, the – um, Uh, the reaction to it and how that might be a distraction.
1: I don't think so, Vinny. I think it's big right now. Obviously we're still uh, in the off season waiting for training camp to start. So it was obviously the big news, you know, of this week. And maybe for the next couple of weeks, maybe the first time he steps on the field, but I don't think it should be, the headline, right? I don't think it should be attached to who he is. You don't say Vinny Bonsignor, Italian reporter, Cassie Soto, Mexican reporter. You know, it's just because it is who we are, it doesn't mean that, that you announce us as that way. And the same thing for Carl Nassib. I think it would be unfair of, of um, newscast to say, oh, by the way, This is his sexual orientation. Sure. Can we, can we maybe make it a bullet point? Say, hey, Carl Nassib, I just got a sack. By the way, remember that he, you know, was the first active um, NFL player to announce that he's gay and he had a great message. Okay, great. Moving on now. You know, it shouldn't be the entire storyline, um, unless he wants it to be, unless that, that's how he makes it. And you know, he, again, just every time he speaks, he says, Hey, let's donate to the Trevor project. Let's help kids here. I would, I would love to see him, um, hold maybe something. I think we have the center here in Las Vegas, which is a safe place for LGBTQ plus, um, teens to go to and get resources. So maybe if, if he holds clinics or if he holds, you know, um, different press conferences helping the, the LGBTQ community, then sure. But I don't think when he steps on the field, that's, that's going to be the, the headline or what we talk about.
0: I'm Jeff Gehrman, an investigative reporter with the Las Vegas Review-Journal. I'm your guide for season two of Mobbed Up, the Fight for Las Vegas. You're in with every gangster and hoodlum in the United States. I don't go for that, Mr. Kennedy. I don't go for that kind of action. I was on television accused of fronting for the mob. Subscribe to Mobbed Up, the Fight for Las Vegas, Season 2, today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Um, okay so I was on a radio show uh, earlier today uh, in Los Angeles obviously this is a, a big news um, you know I've gotten hit up from uh, everywhere from London to Denmark New York Los Angeles you know and 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 again it's for obvious reasons this is a groundbreaking uh, event um, it shouldn't be but it is uh, but my question to you Cassie is, there, there's, you know, you have to. There, there's, there's obviously it's been overwhelmingly positive uh, uh, for Carl, uh, but as somebody asked me today uh, on a on a show in Los Angeles, do you th- do you do you expect? Do you imagine? Do you do you predict that there, you know, in the heat of a moment in a game or something like that, um, you know, can, can can sort of the nasty side sometimes uh, surface to the, to the top. I'm hopeful that it's not on the field. Uh, Cassie, I think that, and I think that's going to be well, uh, regulated by the NFL. I think that, you know, whether it needs to be said or is unsaid, you don't go there. Um, you just don't go there, uh, just as you wouldn't for religion or race or anything else, you know, uh, yes, things get said on a football field as they do on, in any sporting event, but there's, there's do's and don'ts. And I would hope that the NFL, you know, um, somehow, some way gets that word out. Not that it needs to, but maybe just reinforce. But my question to you is how do you think in the stands, we've seen some ugly incidences just within the last couple of weeks in the NBA with fans, just stepping over some major, major lines. Um, how do you think that's going to play, um, you know, when, when the Raiders go on the road uh, and and fans, you know, uh, do what they do and start getting into the heat of the moment? And there's things that we've heard, you know, that aren't cool uh, at all. Um, could that be an issue, do you think?
1: Yeah. Those NBA fans are reckless, Vinny. Spitting (laughs) on people. What are we doing?
2: I know. What is going
1: on? You bought a ticket to
2: watch the game. It didn't give you the right to do something like that.
1: The entitlement that some people have, I think is, is where like the issues start, right? Vinny, like who does that person think he is to be able to say, Hey, you know, I can do that. I can spit on this player. I can throw popcorn at this player. Like the entitlement has to stop at the door, right? You're in somebody else's workplace they're doing their job. If I went up to somebody, you know, at their desk and spit on them, like that's totally uncalled for. So uh, yeah, I obviously don't agree with any of that, but, but you do have to consider it. Right. Um, it's unfortunate that something might happen. We've seen in the NFL before that there have been, um, homophobic slurs used in locker rooms and some hazing and stuff like that. And it's incredibly, uh, unfortunate and, I don't want to predict that something like that would happen. I am hope and knock on every piece of wood that that doesn't happen, but I have a feeling Carl Nassib has an excellent group of teammates behind him. You saw on his Instagram post, Solomon Thomas, right? A uh, yep. new guy to the team, say proud of you, brother. And another guy who's been through a, just something that I don't ever wish upon anybody, Solomon Thomas, losing his sister to suicide. Yep. Um, so that's obviously somebody who can relate to, a very personal struggle that has been made very public. Um, so I think, I think you just have to put a lot of faith into these grown men, right. (laughs) (laughs) Who should be doing their job and one job only. And that job doesn't entail being a jerk to somebody else across the field. Um, but who, you know, it's hard to say what will happen, but I hope he, right. He doesn't become a target or he gets a lot, um, loss of, you know, playing time because of this, because that would be just extremely unfortunate, especially at the times that we're in where people are trying to be more inclusive. And, and he took a big risk saying this, Vinny, like a huge, huge risk putting himself out on the line like this and to face any sort of backlash just would be so, so unfair um, for this guy.
2: Yeah. And uh to any fans that are, that are out there listening, uh, just, just,
1: get over yourself. Yeah. Come
2: on. <laughs> like, you know, ev- how about evolving as a human being? Man, you know, like, um, what does
1: Carl Nassib's day-to-day life, like how does that affect you? Right. Exactly. You know, like he, he, he'll never know you. He'll never know your name. Like he probably won't read your comments. Like leave the dude alone, go find something else productive to do.
2: Absolutely. Um, all right. So here's the thing: Carl Nassib actually um, can play a pretty big role uh, for the Raiders, and we've been talking about this, um, you know, for for months now. What do the Raiders need to do? Well, they need to get a better pass rush. There's no question about that. Part of that. You know, obviously they made moves. They bring in Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, they go get Solomon Thomas, like you talked about. Quentin, uh Jefferson, the defensive tackle. Max Crosby looks like he's in tremendous shape. Uh, Cleve Farrell uh, has played well, took a big step forward last year. I think that that's going to continue this year. Malcolm Kuntz, the rookie from Buffalo, Carl Nassib, who the Raiders signed last year uh, to a free agent contract and and had a down year, frankly, uh, and I think he'd be the first to admit that, but he's got capability. He has um, a resume, and he's got a past track record that if he can get back to that point, along with everyone else doing what they're capable of doing, all of a sudden, Cassie, that defensive line has a chance to get turned around, and if there's one area on the football field, where the Raiders need to improve, that is the area that they need to improve. Carl Nassib, Malcolm, um, you know, Unique y- Ngakwe, Klee Farrell, Max Crosby. What are your feelings uh, moving into the 2021 season on on how good that defensive line can be, and how important is it that they get? solid production from that group.
1: I think the, uh, the importance, right? It says it, the stats speak for itself how important uh, they the team needs these guys to step up and you mentioned Yannick Ngakwe, a guy that we heard from I think the the last day of minicamp and he said he's ready to be a leader on this team and that's a guy who's bounced around to, to a couple teams but now he's here. He, he said he's calling out himself and uh, Max Crosby, right? As the, as the best duo in the NFL so the confidence in there is there but you got to walk the walk if you're going to talk the talk right Vinny like these guys have to prove it on the field and it'll be interesting to see them come training camp come um, when they put the pads on and and you mentioned Cleveland for all he bulked up in the offseason that was something he was looking for Max Crosby obviously a fan favorite I love watching that dude go like at mini camp he was he was like on level 100 each and every day. And that's probably really exciting to see um, for fans who are watching the videos at home and and for players and coaches alike to see that this unit is coming together together when they've just been pushed down over and over and over again. Um, but obviously it's like self-inflicted wounds, right? Many they do it to themselves. They lose games in the last, last 19 seconds um, last season. So, yeah, they definitely need to come together, do some soul searching. Um, and it'll be interesting to see these guys step up and hopefully – See Carl Nassib step up and have a big role, and again, where this won't be the headline, it'll be Carl Nassib, great football player, you know, something like that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, Max is so uh, fascinating to me because um, you know, and I've written about this, I've talked about it on the podcast, talked about it on my radio show. Um, if you look back at, um, at at Max's rookie year compared to his second season. Um, his efficiency numbers were just much better that first year compared to last year. Now, granted, he was dealing with some injuries that we didn't know about until after the season when on, IE on IG, uh, here comes some photos of, of max to the hospital room, you know, uh, post surgery and like, Oh wow. Right.
1: Again, these guys are so matter of fact. Like, hey, this happened.
2: Hey, by the way, what yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, um, but the the point of the of the matter is he he didn't play as well last year as he did in uh the year before uh, the year before, and when you look when you do some digging, it's very very interesting because he played like 200 more snaps last year than he did in tw- in 2019, and to me. Um, that affected his health a little bit. It, it affected his stamina a little bit. It affected it affected his performance uh, a little bit. Um, I think with Max Crosby, and I think this is why the Unique Ngakwe signing was so big, uh, and and why maybe they do have a chance to be a, a, one of the better tandems uh, in the league, is that I think now having Unique Ngakwe, you can use if you're the Raiders. Max Crosby in a way that's probably better suited for him and also manages his snap counts. And so that at the end of the day, whether you're talking about the end of games or later on in the season, I think the Raiders are going to be in a much better position to have everybody at more full throttle than just kind of having their tongues, you know, dragging on the, on the ground. Cause they've played too much, whether right. it's in a game uh, or the, or the end of the season. And so, it might not sit well necessarily with Max that his role is probably going to be condensed a little bit, but I think in the long run, it's going to help him.
1: Right. And I think it, defensive coordinator Gus Bradley said the other day also, he goes, Hey, we don't want to just send out one line. We want to send out two really good lines. We want to have multiple guys who can do multiple things at different times. And I think, yeah, they can play off of each other. And I think Max Crosby this year, right? Staying healthy. I think he was slapping palm trees, right? Last year during the yes. season when he got, um, coronavirus. So yeah, if they can stay healthy, um, that'll definitely be huge. And yeah, working with each other at the end of the day, if you ask these guys, they're going to say, Hey, I don't care about my personal, you know, reps or snaps. They're, they want to do it as a team effort. And, that might be true, but I know these guys, you know, selfishly, you don't want to bump up their, their Madden stats every once in a while, Right, Vinny? Um, yes. oh, yeah. Yeah. no, I think, I think that working in tandem and, and doing what's better overall for the team, uh, you know, your engine can only go so far before you need to replace it. You don't want to replace Max Crosby. You want to be able to give him some time off and get, let him catch his breath and not overdo himself so he can make it the full, was it 17, 17 weeks now, right? And they got 17 games this year. So you can't go full throttle all the time. Um, but when they need you to step up and you have that energy reserved, that's when it's going to be, uh, come to light and when it's really going to matter.
2: And how many times did we see last year where it got down to that last minute and a half or so, and there was no gas left in the tank? And how many times have we seen in other situations that are better situations uh, where where guys are making plays in those situations because they they actually do have a little bit left uh, in the tank? Um, yeah, they so, were running uh,
1: on empty for sure. That I just have to reference that Miami game every time. Like that was the epitome of the Raiders defense, like during the second half of last season, where they 19 seconds, they couldn't shave off any 19 I got, seconds.
2: Listen, you know, you know, if you remember, um, a lot of people were like, they should have just scored the touchdown. Right. Mm-hmm. Remember? Cause they, they, they ran the clock. They forced Miami to use all their timeouts. Uh, and, and they, they ended up kicking the field goal, uh, to set it set it all up, I, I hate to bring up bad memories, Raider yeah. fans. But it's 19 seconds left. The Miami Dolphins are starting at their own 25 yard line with no timeouts, down by what two or whatever it was, one yeah. two whatever it was. The next day, somebody that I highly respected in the NFL, who basically runs his own team, texts me and said, "Do you realize that the Raiders, based on all the analytics of that situation?" they had a ninety-nine point, like seven percent chance to win. So, so
0: <laughs>
2: my response was, all right, what would it have been um, had they scored the touchdown? He's like, probably the same. So, you know, yeah. either way, it was like, come on, defense, you got to make a play right there. And that's really what it boiled down to. It wasn't the decision to kick the field goal rather than score the touchdown. It was the fact that their defense just couldn't get it done when it needed to get done. So exactly. uh, crazy, crazy. All right, Cassie, uh, before we get out of here, uh, there's a little bit of an elephant in the room these days. I don't know if you've uh, if you've uh, picked up on it um, with the Raiders, and it's it's di- it's on defense. It's not along the defensive line. Um, it's in the secondary, and it goes by the name of Damon Arnett. Um, something's going on uh, w- w- with Damon Arnett. Not necessarily. I'm not saying personally with Damon Arnett, but I think the way the Raiders viewed Damon Arnett right now. Um, some of the not so subtle messages that they're sending uh, Damon Arnett right now uh, has become very, very conspicuous, and it's an it's an elephant because the Raiders invested the 19th pick overall in Damon Arnett, and at the time, people were like, "Wait, what? You know, that's 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 a reach, right there, Damon Arnett." You know, nobody had him projected to go uh, number 19, and lo and behold, a year later, uh, here's Damon Arnett, kind of you know, he's, he's definitely not being talked about very yeah. much. Uh, it doesn't look, it looks like Casey Hayward, uh, as of right now, anyway, probably has that outside cornerback position. People that I've talked to in the building, um, express skepticism that Damon can just move over to the inside and, and, and man, that slot cornerback position. So I, I think what, what ultimately, uh, uh it becomes is what's the deal with Damon Arnett and where does he figure into uh, this, this puzzle right now? Um, where, any, any gut feeling on your part?
1: You know, what's so funny, Vinny, I think, yeah, it was like one of the last days of OTAs or mini camp. And I was just standing there and I'm like, man, I have no video of Damon Arnett, right? Like I try to register in my head that I need So I obviously shoot video um, here for the review journal. So I'm at mini camps and I'm trying to get little snippets of each player. And I'm like, where the heck is number 20? So, you know, I'm like looking for him and there he is just sort of standing off to the side, doesn't have his helmet on. He's standing by one of the coaches and like, that's all the video I have of him. He wasn't running any drills. Like he wasn't running. He was just standing there.
2: Now, real quick, real quick, real quick. Now, this could very well have been the plan, um, you know, for Damon in terms of look, just watch, yeah, just watch it, absorb it, digest it, understand it, grasp it. Do it from this vantage point now, but that's, I, I, but I don't know. And you don't know. We don't know. Right.
1: (laughs) We can only only say what we saw, right? I don't know what these guys are. You're right. You're saying I saw him standing next to one of the coaches. Maybe he's saying, Hey, this is how you don't lead with your head. When you make a tackle, this is oh, how you prevent. Oh, this oh, is how you prevent yourself from you, getting you more concussions. Say. I mean, hey, say. just saying it, Vinny. Just saying I, it. Um,
2: hey, yes, somebody <laughs> needs. It to come in, somebody does need to teach Damon Arnett how to tackle. I mean, yeah. for himself, for his own safety. That's exactly. All
1: was it two? Was it two concussions last year? It
2: like, was like it might have been back to back games too on oh. sort of the same exact like. You're just, I was just going. What are you yeah. doing? Out exactly. There? So,
1: Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I don't, the video I saw when I saw him out there, right. He, he was standing off to the side, but like you said, we don't know if, if that was maybe the course of action for him. Hey, stand back, take a look at this. Obviously he didn't have OTAs and mini camp last year, right. As they, it was canceled last year. Um, so he had to do everything through zoom. So yeah, maybe getting a a bigger scope of it and just analyzing what's going on around him. And maybe he's a, yeah, see like a see he has to see it first before doing it. Um, and that's the way he learns. Then okay, um, but we don't know that. We don't. We don't know the answers there.
2: I yeah. Even if it is, ah, it's just that's probably not good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that's not ideal for the ninth, nineteenth pick overall. But uh, that's why it's 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 fascinating to me what it's going to look like in training camp when we really do get a chance to see them. You know, lining up eleven on eleven and first team offense, first team defense. Uh, because as of right now, anyway, um, it looks like he's. You know, been uh, been been marginalized to some extent because when you when you hear Nate Hobbs' name being talked about, Amik Robertson, uh, Nevin Lawson, obviously Casey Hayward, and where's Damon Arnett? I I mm-hmm. went back, Cassie, and looked through all of the um, uh, transcripts just to make sure that I hadn't overlooked uh, anything or or misheard something not one time in all whether it was players coaches whatever during otas and mini camps, when you know players and coaches were made available to us went back and looked at the uh, transcripts not one mention of damon arnett just yeah, just something right. to think about just something to th- think about so um but um you know we'll we'll see uh, there's a Plenty of observations uh, from OTAs, but that was the one um, glaring one for me on the on the negative side. I saw a lot of good things. I think the offense has a chance to be um, uh, more explosive and more versatile. We'll have to obviously wait and see where that offensive line uh, is come that season opener against the Baltimore Ravens. I think the defense, when you look, we've talked about that defensive line. It looks um, deeper. It looks more skilled. Uh, same for the secondary, but you know, uh, it's it's. It's only minicamp, uh, and it was only OTAs. Next stop is training camp, and uh, I, I honestly can't wait uh, to see what it looks like at that point uh, as well, just get a better read on where everything is. Uh, Cassio. I just want to say thanks uh, for uh, for sitting in today. It won't be the last time, I can assure you uh, of that. Really appreciate it. I want to say thanks to Larry Muir, uh, our great producer, for being flexible and always making us sound good. want to say thank you to uh, the listeners. Uh, the numbers are really, really strong. We truly appreciate it appreciate it. You're why we do this. Uh, and just a reminder uh, for all your Raider content, whether you want to uh, watch it, listen to it, read it, uh, flip through pictures, whatever the case might be, go to Vegas Nation, um, the app, download the app, Vegas Nation, uh, or just type in VegasNation.com on the computer and, uh, and you're your set up. We got you covered. Uh, until next week, thank you guys so much for, uh, for, for listening. Have a great week. Uh, and we'll be back on Monday. Cassie, thank you so much.
1: Thank
0: you. I'm Jeff Gehrman, an investigative reporter with the Las Vegas Review Journal. In partnership with the Mob Museum, I'm your guide for season two of Mobbed Up, the fight for Las Vegas. A true story about money.
1: And and so it was their piggy bank. They had the ability to get loans for whoever they wanted to get loans for.
0: Crime. You're in with every gangster and hoodlum in the United States. I don't go for that, Mr. Kennedy. I don't go for that kind of action. And the battle to control the Strip. I was on television accused of fronting for the mob. We were very angry and very upset, and we knew we had been double-crossed. Subscribe to Mobbed Up, the Fight for Las Vegas, Season 2, today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by Pro Group Management. Additional sponsorship provided by El Cortez and the Golden Steer.